everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Gin and Beer. I am your host, Meg, and this week I am so delighted to once again be joined by repeat guest fan favorite, my best friend, Michael. Hello, Michael. Hello. Thank you so much for having me again. I think that just before we started, we were saying, how many times has it been? Two, three, potentially four? Um, but I love being a repeat guest on this. Oh, thank you. You are an absolute fit. Yeah. So you came on the, since I've changed the format of the podcast to be drinking specific, you came on for the martini episode, which to this day is still one of, it was one of my first episodes. Um, actually I think it was my first that I recorded with a guest and is still one of my favorites. I thought that was just such a fantastic episode before I changed gin and beer it to actually being gin and beer oriented um we did an episode about celebrating friendship which is very us so yeah I've loved having you on the show over the years but today you have come on to discuss what have you come on to discuss Michael depending on how you say things vermouth or vermouth (laughs) I know I was gonna I was planning (laughs) on pointing this out when we record because I say vermouth I think um, I say vermouth I think you say vermouth. Do I? Yeah. I think when you, know you don't think about it, I think you say I vermouth. Have, in preparation for this uh, podcast recording, I've been saying to myself, do I say vermouth or vermouth? And I've been saying it loads and now I don't know what I say. Yeah. I did that to myself once with um, roof versus roof. I don't know. I mean, I mean, how do you say it in a British accent? Is it roof? I think the roof of the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so you'd say roof, right? Yeah. So, yeah. but like w- Americans, th- like some people say roof, um, as in like <laughs> woof, like a dog. Um, yeah. And, but I did that once where I was like, and syrup versus syrup. Um, but some words like that, I feel like I just, I interchange and I couldn't yeah. tell you any sort of logic to it. But anyway, yes, you have come on. We've been discussing doing this episode for quite a long time, actually. And I'm very excited about it because vermouth, I'm excited about it for two reasons. Vermouth is like a huge backbone to cocktails. Um, It's also very much enjoyable on its own, which I'm sure we'll get into, but it's a huge, I don't, I don't think you can even really dip your toes into like, for example, you and I are both huge sluts for a Negroni. Um, You can't make a Negroni without vermouth. So right there out of the gate, you need it. Um, But also... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Martini, which we've, we've obviously already covered. Um, but also I think it's something that even people who have it in their cupboard and use it for their, you know, regular Negronis and Martinis and Manhattans and all that thing actually know very little about it. And I say that because I didn't know much about it until, um, until recently. So I thought it would be a great topic to cover and I'm so glad that you will be going on this journey with me. And what's good about it is so we've we've obviously you know talked about martinis ourselves you've done episodes on Negroni with Nadia I think it was Um, Mm -hmm. and that's been about you know let's let's talk about gins and let's talk about rums and let's talk about vodkas but we haven't spoken about as you said the backbone behind what makes those drinks drinks which is is vermouth. And I'm not going to say I'm a, I'm the expert in vermouth and, and all of that because I'm not. But what I have really realised, and it's really because it's because of lockdown and having to stay inside um, and through boredom, um, you know, deciding to research actually 
how could I make my Negroni the next level better? Or how could I make my Martini the next level better? And it isn't the gin, because the gin's always going to be the one that I like, but it's the vermouth yeah. that you put into it. I completely agree. And I like I think this actually lends itself to a conversation that you and I were having just over WhatsApp yesterday because I was telling you that I ordered a bottle of aviation gin, which you know what's really funny? Um it came today. Um, for those of you who who aren't aware, aviation aviation gin is a American made gin that has been made famous because it Ryan Reynolds um either owned or you know had stock in the company or whatever and he was involved in the marketing i actually i think he sold it off now i don't I actually he sold know it. That yeah yeah um but it typically is very expensive and the reason why i ordered it off of amazon is because it was on sale um it was it was 28 quid marked down from about 36 um so and I, I think it's expensive just because it comes from america but what's funny about it is that um I think you could very easily argue that it's one of those gins that is just people it's sought out because there's a celebrity behind it, similarly to the high club scotch that David Beckham sponsors or whatever, you know, is the spokesman for, as well as like, um, you know, the guys from Breaking Bad that that have the the mezcal and stuff like that, yeah. Dos Ombres or whatever. Well, I would you could say, say like, oh, on a very slight tangent, I have got the tequila that George Clooney owns. I am um, glad actually, that you said really George good. Clooney and not Kylie Jenner. Um, I, I, well, next time I come over, I'll try that. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm also just, I'm supposed to be driving this conversation. I'm veering us on a completely different track, but whatever. It's, it's interesting regardless. Um, I would happily try George Clooney's tequila. There's something in my soul that refuses to purchase, try, or give any money to Kylie Jenner whatsoever. <laughs> so Kylie Jenner I is not getting my money. Um, yeah. But the George Clooney, so, so we bought that tequila in Waitrose without realizing what it was. Right. Um, so that's and, very forgivable. And we got home and thought, oh, that's, this is the George Clooney one, but it makes a incredible um, margarita and is nice. lovely just by itself. Good. But no, yeah, so the reason why I was talking about this is because um, I have only had aviation gin once in a bar or ever, and it was actually with you. You bought it for me on my birthday. It was in that that gin bar that we went to near oh, the arches. Oh, uh, Jog Bar in Deptford Market Yard. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think I'll, I'll be very interested to try the bottle that I now have in my bar because I was actually, after I bought it, I was reading reviews and stuff, and it actually doesn't get great reviews. Um, a lot of people just say they think, you know, they think it's super overrated. It just sells well because of Ryan Reynolds, et cetera, et cetera. But I have to say when you and I had it, I mean, that gin bar did such a nice, I want to say they had craft tonic. I don't think it was just like fever tree and they, it was such a lovely garnish. They, and I, they used bitters in it as well. I remember this. Um, so that was delicious. And also it was my birthday and I was with you and it was just like a very lovely memory. So I'll be very, very, I'll have to Perfect report day. back on whether, on whether that was, um, it was just like a happy memory or if I actually do think the aviation gin is really solid. But the reason why I went into this whole story is because I was messaging you yesterday saying I've ordered a bottle of an aviation gin. And I was just saying how, um, the reason why I've ordered it is because the only, you know, basic, like non- flavor you know like fruit flavored or whatever gin that I currently have behind my bar is Tanqueray and not Tanqueray 10 like the just regular Tanqueray and I've found 
because last time that you came over, I made everyone a, I made everyone Negronis and I used the Tanqueray and those tasted fantastic, but I've made like a bee's knees and I've made a couple of really gin forward cocktails recently and I'm not loving the Tanqueray. Um, and so, yeah, so that was why, um, I ordered that, but the whole point of this whole side tangent is that I completely agree with you that, um, because like a, a drink, like a Negroni, I, you know, I, I think any drink you, the first that, you know, the first item on the list of, of ingredients for, and a recipe for a cocktail is, is typically going to be the liquor, you know, the base spirit that's being used. But I actually think that the vermouth really drives because when I made those Negronis, even though Tanqueray isn't super my thing, because I use Koki de Torino, which is like, you know, we'll talk about it, but my favorite um, sweet vermouth and, and obviously Campari is always going to be Campari. Um, it still makes a really good Negroni. So I completely agree with you. I, th- I think vermouth absolutely will will make it can it can completely carry a drink on its own. And what I've sort of learned about uh, vermouth across sort of like the last year is the the range that is available just like properly commercially is way more extensive than either because in my head it was like sweet and dry and that was basically about yeah. it um and from kind of you know very very typical high street brands um but we were um on holiday in cornwall last september um in padstow and there's a, a vineyard called called camel valley um mm-hmm. And it's very, very beautiful. And there, there was a shop in Padstow that had their rosé vermouth. And it's a lovely kind of dusty pink rosé colour. Um, and I said, oh, that, oh, that's interesting. I've not seen that before. Um, and the people in the shop, you know, so you can you can try it over ice and you can, and you can put a sort of tonic or a soda water in it for a spritz. Um, and they were saying it should be garnished with a bay leaf. Um, mm, I thought it was really interesting um, and that you know they recommended the vermouth as part of a, a dry martini that gives the martini a lovely sort of kind of light cheek colour pink hue so yeah slight pink hue yeah delicious yeah that sounds that sounds fantastic um, so before we get into some of our some of our favourites um, for the listeners what exactly is vermouth so vermouth is a aromatized fortified wine effectively and basically what that means in layman's or megan terms is it is a wine that has been mixed with a base spirit so you know like brandy uh, a neutral base spirit and then had other botanicals added to it and because of that because of the fact that it's you know it's been fortified and then also um has has been sweetened or, or flavored with various different botanicals. Vermouth is a proprietary, um, you know, beverage, very similar. I don't mean similar in taste, but just similar in, I guess, DNA to gin. Um, and in the sense that no two gins are ever going to be the same because they're comprised of their botanicals. No two vermouths um, are ever going to be the same. And, and that's why, they have such an impact on your drinks and it's also why they're so much fun to play with. Yeah. And um, you can, and also I think it's the it's playing with it and the, this 
the whole storage behind it because I'm one of these people that don't refrigerate thermos. Yeah. I don't have yeah. The only one I have done is that Cornwall one because it was expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'm I'm cringing if like some of my cocktail making heroes like Leandro Dumanriva or Steve the bartender happen to be listening to this because I know that like anyone with skill and taste absolutely preaches that you should refrigerate um but you must refrigerate vermouth because it is it is a bottle of wine um effectively I I do refrigerate my vermouth um the the rule that I break with vermouth is that I don't throw it away after like a month (laughs) um I mean, no one and I, I honestly, I don't, I, I can't say that I've gone and like actually taste tested it um, in terms of like, has it really gone off or ha- like, I think with vermouth is that I do, I believe that if you refrigerate it, it's not a matter of it. It's not a matter of it starting to taste like vinegar in the way that a old bottle of wine would. Uh-huh. It's more that I think it just loses its oomph. Um, yeah. Which is probably why I've been less bothered. And also, you know, I mean, a lot of times a bottle of vermouth doesn't last me a whole month, but but sometimes it does. Um, I also think it's all about quality. So, for example, um, our our mutual friends, Marcus and Elizabeth, they moved back to America last year and they gave us a lot of kind of stuff from their flat when they were clearing out. One of which was a rather large bottle of martini extra dry, um, dry vermouth. And, you know, for those of you anyone who's not that familiar with vermouth, you probably are familiar with, with martini. Um, cause they're basically, you know, pretty, even pubs that don't even serve cocktails usually have some sort of bottle of martini behind the bar. Um, so they have the main ones are martini Rosso and they're martini extra dry martini Rosso being their sweet vermouth, which if you go to any sort of normal pub or bar, you know, around London or anywhere, and you ask for a Negroni, most likely that's going to, or, or Manhattan, that's most likely going to be the sweet vermouth that they use. And then their dry vermouth um, would be used in in martinis. Um, so Marcus and Elizabeth gave me a bottle, pretty much a full bottle um, opened of their dry, dry vermouth before they moved. And I will say, um, you know, martini is, it's fine. Um, it's not the nicest vermouth in my opinion. Um, I think it, it's a bit, it's not as smooth as some of the other vermouths that I like. Um, but I will say, I think the combination of how long ago they gave it to me and the fact that I have not refrigerated it, um, I took just like a taster a couple of months ago um, and it, it tasted just like pure white vinegar, <laughs> like absolutely oh, really? white vinegar. Um, yeah. So it's like, I've, I've kept it in my bar just because I use it for cooking occasionally. Um, but yeah, I do think, um, the storage is, the storage is interesting because it, it's one of those where I, I don't think people don't usually look at vermouth as a wine. So most people, I mean, I think in the average household, a bottle of vermouth is probably just going to be collecting dust, you know, in a cupboard somewhere. Yeah, I mean, we have quite a bit of vermouth uh, in the house because we, I think for me, martini um, is is totally fine, but it's not my favorite to use at home. Um, yeah, I completely agree. I'm, I I'm not going to send a drink back if it's made with it when I'm out, exactly. but I, I just don't buy it at home. Yeah. Because um, I think our our house sort of, you know, go-to brand is Koki or Kochi, however you yeah. want to pronounce it. 
um, because they do fighting three or four, maybe even more than that, um, different rooms, and they're incredible. Yeah, and so that uh, that's a good segue into, you know, as I was saying, the types of vermouth. So they're sweet and dry. Um, Koki, the, their sweet vermouth that is my absolute workhorse sweet vermouth is their vermouth de Torino. It's so amazing. Um, it's got very chocolatey notes. It's a bit spicy. It's so, I mean, I think it makes the most brilliant Negroni. I think I was watching a video earlier today and the girl kind of pointed out that it's good if you want, more of like an after dinner Negroni, but if you want your Negroni to be more of an aperitif, you probably want it to be a little bit less sweet. I mean, I think I would drink it as an aperitif. Yeah, I think I, Torino. I would as well. But I, do, but I do think like her, she she made a good point. I would say that I, it is it is on the sweeter side. Um, and then they also do their Coqui Americano, and this is where it gets a bit interesting because Coqui Americano is considered a Bianco vermouth, I believe, which is yes. kind of um, in between sweet vermouth and dry vermouth. Um, and so what's funny is that I learned, <clears throat> excuse me, I learned how to make a martini with Coqui Americano and because of that, the normal martini specs, I say normal, I mean, I think everyone has their opinions about a martini, but the normal martini specs is usually, you know, two parts, it better be gin, I'm not a vodka martini drinker, two parts gin to one part vermouth. And when I tried doing that with Coqui Americano, I found it way too sweet, way too vermouth forward. And I was like, wow, yeah. I've, so I, thought that I'm this like hard ass that enjoys a six to one. So basically I would do two and a half um, ounces of gin and a half ounce of, of Coqui Americano. And I was like, God, I'm, I'm practically Winston Churchill. I love this like really, really dry, strong martini. Well, it just turns out that Coqui Americano, because it's a Bianco vermouth is actually just quite sweet. Um, so you wouldn't want to do it in those sort of ratios, but I bought a bottle of Dolan which is a French proper that that's kind of like a, just a proper workhorse dry vermouth. And then if I make it two to one, that that's a banging martini. Um, and, and that, that ratio works very well and it's not too sweet, but yeah, it was, there's definitely a learning curve. Um, and, and all the, just because you, they all look light in color, um, does not mean that the sweetness can't vary massively. Yeah. It's very, the, the whole Winston Churchill thing is interesting because I was reading about this recently. I mean, didn't he said something about a martini shouldn't have vermouth in it at all? Yeah, that's, he that's, said that it should just like see vermouth cold, from across the, it's the like, bar. It's cold. That's just a glass of cold gin. That's not a martini. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, yep. I know, I'm not going to not have one. Um, but that's an interesting my because I, I've had a martini before in a bar. Um, it was called Sophie's in Covent Garden. It's long gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did a martini where they just washed the glass with vermouth, mm-hmm. and then it was and then it was cold, like through the cold gin, and that was that was ex- so exceptional. And I couldn't yeah. believe how delicious it was, but it was it was dry to the bone. I think the key with that is that the glass needs to be absolutely ice cold. Um, That's the luxury of the bar where you can store your yeah. glassware in the freezer. Well, exactly. Exactly. Um, 
Yeah, and I think another thing to note about vermouth is that historically, um, so like we said, you know, it's an aromatized fortified wine. Historically, one of the primary botanicals was wormwood, um, which most people are probably familiar with wormwood as like the main ingredient in absinthe. Um, but it, you know, it is quite a bitter botanical. Um, and so that's why, you know, things like Dubonnet, which is a fortified wine that is famous for being, um, the queen's favorite. Apparently she drinks a gin and Dubonnet every single day in the afternoon. Um, Dubonnet is, it looks like a vermouth. Um, in a lot of ways, it tastes like a vermouth. It's not as sweet as like a Cokey um, de Torino, but technically because it doesn't have wormwood, it's not actually a vermouth. It's a fortified wine. But I think nowadays, and I, I think it's actually the same to be said for the Cokey Americano as well. I think Cokey Americano does not have wormwood. So I think technically it's not a vermouth, but I think these days people aren't really as, as fussy about that aspect. I don't realize it's probably not technically a vermouth, but I would totally classify it as one. Yeah, um, definitely. Because I because I, I use it as I would vermouth. Um, yeah. I hadn't realized that. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, but it is, it's, it's very, very confusing. Um, and, I mean, in terms of history, I've done a little bit of research today, Um it's believed that the creation of vermouth as we know it today um, began in 1786 by um, these guys, Antonio and Benedetto Carpano in Milan. Um, and then it, it kind of evolved from, from there. And, you know, as, as most things in, in booze history, just increasingly gained population, gained, sorry, popularity. Um, and, you know, um, that's where all of the big names like Martu Martini and um, Carpano Antica, that's where they all kind of came into play. So what is, so you, you love Koki. Um, yeah. Is that, would you say, would you say Koki de Torino is your, is your favorite vermouth or at least like the one that you use the most? Um, it is. I'm also quite fond of the Koki Rosa. Mm -hmm. I actually haven't tried that one. It's. It's nice. I mean, that's one that I've had. Um, so that's one that I've had with ice before, and just to kind of mm -hmm. just to kind of sip it. Yeah. Um, which I haven't done with anything else because I wanted just to try it because it's it's it's, it's got a very herby sort of flavour, mm -hmm. um, which is which is nice. I mean, it's you know, it's quite savoury, um, which I you know which kind of suits my suits my palate. Yeah, definitely. Um... No, I haven't, I haven't tried. I mean, and again, you bring up a good point that I think a lot of us think of vermouth as a, um, you know, a, a, as a part of, of cocktails, but vermouth is actually, um, you know, historically, I think it, it was just drank on its own or with a bit of soda water. Um, and actually I think, you know, specifically in Spain, vermouth is just a huge, a huge part of drinking culture there. Um, like just going and getting an ice, you know, vermouth on ice, um, with some tapas, which is something that I was supposed to do in Madrid last year, right when COVID hit. So I'm looking forward to doing that eventually. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I haven't tried the Koki Rosa yet, but that does, it, do, it does look like one that would just be really nice on its own. Cause what's interesting is vermouth does two things. The first is it supports 
seriously alcoholic drinks so like Negroni yeah. and the other is that with you know soda water or tonic water it's actually a low alcohol drink yeah. because yeah them, them's between what 14 and 14 16 percent yeah around um, there mm-hmm. so it's something which you could have you know particularly in those hot European countries where it gets to like 35 40 degrees you're having it with ice and it's a very refreshing drink whereas I wouldn't call a Negroni particularly refreshing mm-hmm. whilst it's delicious yeah I mean it yeah and Negroni is is refreshing for me but I also have a quite an intense intense palate, palate. um <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, but there there is a drink that I actually discovered um, that I was making myself as kind of a pre-dinner drink quite often during lockdown um, that is called the Excelsior Special. Um, and it is a one and a half ounces of sweet vermouth, a quarter ounce of dry vermouth, um, a quarter ounce of Campari, and then topped with soda and an orange. Um and it's just really, it, I really got into that in, like I said, in lockdown because um, a lot of in, in lockdown, Harry and I got into the habit of having um, like a pasta evangelist, nice pasta meal on a Friday. Um, so we would cook for ourselves and I'd have like a pre-dinner cocktail, but you don't want your pre-dinner cocktail to be like super boozé um, or you're not going to end up cooking dinner or you're going to end up, you know, fucking it up. Um <laughs> So I really liked that drink because, um, because of the fact that it's so, you know, it's, it's just got two types of vermouth and Campari in it with some soda water. Um, it was so absolutely banging with flavor, um, but not very high in alcohol whatsoever. And that it would be, that would be, it'd be so nice to sip in the sun as well. Yeah. Like all those kind of like summery drinks and now that London's getting warm and hot again for summer. You want to find that kind of refreshing summer cocktail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. No, it's something that I'd like to get. And also it's a good, you know, if you do buy vermouth and you are concerned, you store it in the fridge, but you're concerned about it not being at its prime, at least after a month, um, making long drinks with it to drink in the summertime is probably a very nice way of just using the bottle up. Yeah. I mean, what I've noticed is, so I think I've kind of probably a bit like you, found your niche of what you find comfortable and you know the flavor profiling of it yeah um, but when I went to Waitrose the other day um I was there was like 30 different types of vermouth available mm-hmm. all from kind of all different brands and there's a brand called Balthazar I think um mm-hmm. where they do um very very different styles so rosé I was more familiar with because of the one that I bought from Camel Valley in, in Cornwall um, but there were these all different, different types, and I, and I do wonder how you would use those. Really, um, I, I haven't given. I it. think you'd really, yeah. I think, I mean, I think you'd really have to taste test those before you'd want to put them in anything, just to get a really good idea of um, the flavor profile. But yeah, I mean, I've, you know, to be honest, I haven't really ventured, and that that's not for lack of wanting. In like in my own bar, I currently have in terms of sweet vermouth, I have a bottle of Coqui de Torino, and I have a bottle of Cinzano. Um, so Coqui de Torino, I completely agree with Michael. It's my favorite sweet vermouth. Um, I, you'll hear, you'll always hear people mention Carpano Antica, um, 
And I've definitely had it when I've been in nicer bars and look, it's delicious, but Coke de Torino, at least in the UK is not a cheap vermouth. Um, on Amazon, I think in lockdown last year, it was 17 pounds. I think it's now 22 pounds for like a 750 milliliter bottle. In my local beer shop, they sell it and they sell it for like 30. I'm like, I'd have to be really desperate um, to get it from them. I think it's also quite expensive at Waitrose and it's a bit of a smaller bottle. So Coke de Torino is already not, I would not call it a budget vermouth. Carpano Antica is on a completely different level. Um, it's probably about the same as Coke de Torino for about a, a bottle that's about half or three quarters of the size. It's a really, really, it's, you know, kind of classed as being like the perfect vermouth for like Manhattans. Um, but it is a really expensive vermouth, especially if you're not going to, you know, if there's a risk of it going off. So if you're someone who just wants a good workhorse vermouth in your bar, um, like I said, I, I can't recommend Coke to Torino more, but if you'd like to be even more budget than that, I actually really do like Cinzano. Um, Cinzano is a Italian sweet vermouth. Um, and again, it's got a bit of a spice to it. It's not as sweet, not necessarily as smooth as Koki, but it's fantastic. And a Negroni, I've also made some good Manhattans with it. Um, and I think at least in the UK, I think Cinzano is probably like 13 quid for a bottle. So, um, it's a lot cheaper than some of the other ones. And then in terms of dry vermouth, like I said, I have that, bottle of martini that is just um just basically a cooking vermouth in, in the bottom of my bar but I have coke americano again on the sweeter side but amazing um and then I have that dolan and dolan is just a really just strong um I, I say strong is in like a it's just a really good um french dry vermouth um and that dolan is also very reasonably priced I think I got that for um, somewhere between 13 and 15 pounds. So th those are the ones I have at home. And honestly, when I've been out, I think when my boyfriend and I were away for a weekend, a couple, about six weeks ago on the coast, we went to a bar that did Negronis with the martini. Um, I think it's called Rubino. So I, martini has some, um, sweet vermouths that I think are meant to be a bit more highbrow than just regular martini Rosso. Um, and that was quite nice in, in a Negroni. I can't say I'm going to go out and buy it, um, but that was good. And then, yeah, like I said, I think I've had quite a bit of Carpano out in, in bars and stuff. But, yeah, I'm, I, I need – I really do need to expand um, expand my horizons a bit on the vermouth front. We went to a, a Spanish tapas place in Soho a couple weeks ago, and they had a really extensive vermouth menu, and I was really looking forward to – trying them, but it was in, um, this is basically in, um, Carnaby street, effectively that area. And there was an alarm going off in a building, um, or it was a car alarm or something, but it was around the corner from the restaurant. And I, we literally could not hear ourselves think, and we ended up leaving. And I'm kind of glad that we did because we walked back by the restaurant about 45 minutes later and the alarm was still going off. Oh, wow. Yeah, so um, I'd like to go back there. I can't remember the name of the tapas place, but it's the only place that I've been that I've that I've seen have like a really extensive vermouth menu. So I think it's like those bars. There was a bar, um, and I'm I'm not sure if it's there anymore, but it was off the Strand, and it was getting, it was a Spanish tapas place. 
with a mm. with a large vermouth menu and a huge sherry menu. Mm. So you could kind of you could kind of pick them to the cheeses and yeah. the meats and you know all of that stuff. Um, so that was always that was always really good. I have just found the Balthazar uh, vermouth I was thinking about, and it's a Riesling vermouth. Ooh, that sounds um, very interesting. And I saw, and I wasn't quite sure how you would how you would have it. So they suggest uh, with tonic or in mm-hmm. a pina colada. That's very interesting. And I thought, and I just struggling to remember what, what what's in a pina, a pina colada, like pineapple and coconut, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's um, it's rum. basically rum and um, like cream of pineapple or um, cream of coconut, like coconut cream, which is different from coconut milk. That is, is a lesson that I learned <laughs> last year. Um, uh, yeah, um, Coco Lopez, I think, is the like most known brand of coconut cream. But um, just a random shout out. Um, Steve, the bartender has a really good video about how to make your own coconut cream. It's the easiest thing ever. It's, it's as easy as making simple syrup. So I highly recommend making your own, but yeah, I've never heard of using a vermouth in a pina colada. So that's fascinating. So I might have to give that a go and um, come back and update you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think pretty much any vermouth would be good with tonic, um, I can't, I, like, I can't, I can't think of, you know, because you think about it, any gin is good with tonic. So unless it's like that fucking unicorn tears gin liqueur, that's not okay. actually gin. Um, any gin is good with tonic. And, you know, you think about vermouth having kind of the same botanical concept. I can't, I, I can't imagine that any vermouth wouldn't be good with tonic unless it was just bad vermouth. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. No, I like, I think it's one of those things where, um, one of the reasons why I probably haven't expanded as so much is because it is, it can be a bit on the pricey side and it, you know, it is like you buy it in, in quite large, you know, just wine size bottles. And like I said, you know, it needs to be stored properly and it it will eventually go off. So it's one of those where I wish there were more places that you could just try it while you're out. And then if you really like it, order it. Um, but I might just have to start ordering myself some vermouths in the, in the name of research, experimentation, research. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, any closing thoughts on vermouth, Michael? Can I you would, like, I think the whole thing with it is, uh, explore and do not go to the thing that you just know the brand where you yeah. just know the flavor and if you're going to particularly you know, a, a, a decent bar where you can see on the shelves they've got different types and you can tell they're going to be good at make, making cocktails you just you, you just ask them because mm-hmm. if you say i want to you know i want a, I want a martini they should ask you how how you want it um no i think that just say surprise me yeah, I think that is excellent advice. And I would also just say, and this is not just for vermouth, this is in general, but anytime you order or you order something online or you buy it in a liquor shop or in your local supermarket, try it on its own. That's definitely something that I've learned because I think like I I don't think that I actually have a very complex palate or you know, sophisticated mature palate. 
Um, I think I have a very hard time, you know, if you give me a Negroni, even to this day after countless Negronis, I actually do have quite a hard time picking out the flavors and where they're coming from. So I think that, um, trying some, you know, like I, I just got a bottle of Mezcal last week and the first thing I did was drink it straight up, um, just because I wanted to actually get an idea of what that the mezcal tastes like, what the flavors are coming through from it before I mm. put it in, you know, a mezcal margarita or a mezcal negroni or something like that. And I, I would say with vermouth, definitely, um, because if you, if you pick up a, if you pick, you know, and you you can avoid learning the lesson about martinis that I learned. If if you pick up a dry vermouth or you know a bianco vermouth. Um, and you try it and it's super sweet, you then know that you're going to want to dial that back in your martini. Or if it's super dry, you're going to want to know, okay, I probably want to do just the standard two to one. So yeah, I would definitely say just anytime you get something, really try to to try it before you mix it with anything. Because what, what I remember is so that the bar that inspired the namesake of the, of the, of the entire podcast, Gin and mm-hmm. Beer, Deptford, RIP, um, the... The people that used to run that, um, Gemma and Steve, they had, you know, a huge gin menu and a huge Belgian beer menu. Edward always go for the Belgian beer. And typically, I went for gin. Um, and what, you know, it was so expensive. And I would just go in there and say, just surprise me. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you don't like it, I'm still going to drink it. But, you yeah. know, it's gin. I'm not going to not like it. And they didn't stop unicorn tears. So... You know. That's probably a sign that it was a good place. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I don't get like pissed off about a lot of things when it comes to alcohol. Like I, I really like don't think of myself as a snob because I'm a cocktail and drinking enthusiast, but I'm also a 26 year old human being on a budget. So I'm not one to judge, but those gin liqueurs are shocking. Like they shouldn't, be they shouldn't even be able to be called gin liqueurs like they should have to just call it a liqueur because it's not gin like it's not what, gin based this is what i've realized i i have tried a few of these gin liqueurs and i really don't like them yeah they're all incredibly I tried, sugary and sweet what was funny is that i had a bottle of unicorn tears again like given to me by marcus and elizabeth that i brought to a friend's leaving drinks because I was trying to get rid of it. But like, you know, I, I, we made gin and tonics with them. And honestly, I did not have that much to drink that night. And I had the worst hangover ever the next day. And I think it was just because the sheer sugar and crap that was in oh, that. Really? Like I had like one, but it was horrendous. Yeah. Um, and I've been, I've been given one of them again recently by someone else. Um, obviously, I'm a very gracious, you know, if you give me anything, um, that's very kind of you. But, yeah, I've, I've been trying to think of how I'm going to get rid of it because there's no way I'm drinking it. Maybe you could use unicorn tears in some kind of cooking. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I bet I bet it would be good in, like, cupcakes or something like that, actually. Eventually. Um, you know, even I just in, like, the you know. frosting. I think you should. I think you should make unicorn tears cupcakes. Yeah, and just see I what will. and just see what happens. Maybe that'll be a challenge for me. Otherwise, some one of my friends, someone in my social circle, is getting unicorn tears for their birthday. <laughs> <laughs> it won't I be you, Michael. I promise. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much, Michael, for coming on again. It is always a delight to have you on Gin and Beer It. The listeners love you as well. Thank you so much. I love being on here. And it's and it's it's good that this has been able to continue, you know, just you know, despite all the kind of lockdowns and things. I know, I know. And to be fair, like we're not even locked up now but it's because you and I sort of live on opposite sides of London it's nice that we're able to just do this on a weeknight and do it over Zoom and still get to see each other's faces it's fantastic no it's it's beautiful thank you Michael thank you so much